Hey everyone, I'm Dania. And I'm Ihab. And welcome back to the next installment of our pan dating mini series. Yeah, it's been a while. Thanks for it has uh, been a while. Thanks for joining me and making this happen. And I will always give complete credit to Dania, who continues to wonderfully provide such a great agenda for today's episode, plan it and execute. So I'm gonna going to give her the microphone uh, to explain what pan dating is. Yes, thank you for all of that praise. Although I will have to thank you also for being the tech guy because uh, it took us an hour just to set this up today. This is very true. We took uh, quite not it's it was hard. <laughs> it, it was a bit of a challenge, but we did it. We did. But this it. is the first time that we're doing um, something that is live, uh, live studio where it's video broadcasting to one server combined at the same time. We have a bunch of really fancy schmancy things going on. We can, we're going to have some banners to it in order to guide you through today's episode. It's going to be watch good it on the YouTube channel. Yeah, that's so, right. That's a great thing about this mini series is that it's available audibly and visually for those who are interested in seeing it on YouTube through my channel, Danielle Okuli, or uh, listening to the MDK's podcast, catching yeah. the mini series there. So, yeah. so Danielle, what is pan dating and how did you come up with that? Pan dating is a combined um, compound word, I would say, of pandemic dating. So it was just the experience of trying to date under pandemic as a Muslim through the, you know, swiping apps that exist. And I took the leap, the plunge. I, I jumped off the cliff of uh, trying to date uh, under pandemic this past summer and fall. Um, yeah, and it was a very colorful experience. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see my little pan dating highlights. And I just kind of felt like we needed to do something that would bridge this obvious disconnect that exists between, you know, cis heterosexual Muslim men and women um, in our communities, because I know I'm not the only one that was going through what I went through. <laughs> I know from the number of women who slid in my DMs after every story, like me too, this happens to me all the time. Um, and, you know, based off your responses to me and, and seeing the stories on my Instagram and you reaching out, it's clear that men are also going through their challenges. And I just think people are not seeing eye to eye and they're not understanding maybe how to present themselves or what the other person wants. And I just thought, why not do something that would break stereotypes, stigmas, um, especially because dating in general is just so stigmatized in our community. I don't think we understand the terminology, the process. And now we don't, we don't even call it dating, you know, we call know, it dating, talking dating, to someone or seeing someone, seeing someone. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the word dating technically isn't haram, like dating in the historical context, even Western cultures, like the courtship process, which right, is what we right. do in our culture of like the per two people are getting to know each other. Then their families get involved. They make the intention of like the goal eventually is to get married. So we're going to be dating or courting. Um, but somehow the term evolved to mean a lot of things like hooking up and like hookup culture and things like that, which is not really necessarily always the case. So I, when everyone's like, hey, dating haram, astaghfirullah. It's like, no, <laughs> dude, we're just meeting for coffee or we're having lunch. And, you know, he came over and met my family and things like that. It's just not the normal context or the meaning that people assume the stereotypes of it. Yeah. So 
Yeah. I, I think like a lot of first generation dating. people. Yeah. Pan, yeah. Dating is fine. I, I think uh, for us um, as like first generation, you know, Muslim Americans, Arab Americans, um, we've definitely had to adapt to the culture that is around us, the opportunities that we have and, um, and it had to make the best of both worlds. I think anytime anything is outside of the traditional realm, a lot of people end up not feeling all that great about it. Um, but for us, we, we do feel great about it because it does very much describe who we are. We are Americans and we're Muslim and we're Arabs, me and Danny at least. And um, in that place, we want to be able to meet somebody. Um, and so we went online. So Danny was talking about her experiences with the pan dating. I was following her stories at the time. Now highlights on her uh, Instagram, which is lady underscore narrator. Um, that's her username if you want to check that out. And, um, and I was just really affected by her experience in terms of what was going on with her and what she was seeing. And I reached out to her and I said, hey, let's make a uh, dating uh, like mini series. I have a podcast we can make put on, you know, my my our podcast, the Ambrikis. And that's probably where you're hearing it if you're listening to the podcast. Um, and here we are. And that was back in October. And so now we're in January recording our fourth episode. And oh, that was back in September. Not even. That was a month before. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you mean your your. Um, no, like your, our first our your first stories yeah 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 it was back then but i think ultimately it was october you know that's that funny because we... you wanted to, you assumed it was going to be one like a one-time series yeah and i'm like no here's five scripts of um episodes that i've created because it's not just a one-time thing yeah that is an amazing worker where she is able to like whip up some stuff and it's it's i wish that like i might like put a a screenshot for people to see like the detail that you went into um so speaking, that's speaking from experience you know i gotta put it all out there like so let me tell you what happened <laughs> i mean i was impressed by daniel's like ability to just really be honest and vulnerable and raw about a lot of these issues especially how it you know one of these scenarios ended up becoming for you a little bit more uh traumatic in a way that men a lot of men do not experience um and so for me it was just like such a such a um you know, an amazing opportunity for me to learn. And that's, that's why I'm here and I, I'm still willing to learn. And I also want to t tell people about my experience as well. And hopefully through both of our experiences, we can provide something good to the community. And that's, that's what we're doing here. So um, did you want to get started, Daniel? Let's do it. All right. So it. this is my fancy schmancy episode four, you know, banner uh, titled, what do we talk about? And so if you haven't already, um, listened or seen uh, episode one, two, and three. Those are available on YouTube and the Enrique's podcast. This is episode four, so we're a little bit inwards. So people have um, built their profiles, they have matched, they have had their initial conversations, there seems to be enough interest, and now what do we talk about? What does what What are the subjects that are important in order to be on the same page and move forward um successfully so uh do you want to do you want to take us there daniel yeah this is really the the make it or break it moment right this is where you get to dig in and actually understand whether or not the person you're talking to um has the compatibility um there's always a lot of 
question about what to talk about. So um, actually, the first point in our agenda is something you added. So I wanted to let you touch on that because you mentioned preferences. Sure, sure. And I appreciate that. And so um, all I want to say about that is when it comes to people talking to each other, and I think I may have touched a little bit on that in the last episode, that it's okay to have preferences. And I had to learn that like on my own. A lot of times I felt bad if I rejected somebody for something, you know, small, you know, but at the end of the day, it is okay to not be, even if you like somebody, even if you're attracted to someone to just say, you know what? I'm actually looking for something else. Thank you. And then move on. Um, and so there is a tendency, especially with online dating, you find somebody you match there, you have this great chemistry, initial chemistry, and you just want to be able to rush through it and make it happen. Um, and even if like, they're not a hundred percent, even if you don't like it, like you just want to make it happen. And I've definitely been, um, in my experience, I've been that number of times. And all that does is at the end, just kind of got me to a place where I was, anxious and I didn't know why and I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't know why and, and it sh could and I traced it back to the beginning when I knew that this wasn't for me and yet I stayed in it and so it's I think it's really important just to ask yourself are you agreeable on all topics being discussed and if not then it's okay to to move on and uh, to communicate that it's not going to work out so take your time in making that decision and and moving forward and you know it's this this time uh, especially in the beginning, is the time to talk about all the important subjects. Um, and so I think, um, so that's that's what I want to say about preferences. Does, does anything come up for you about that? Yeah, I would say I agree with you. Um, rather than, it's not always the case where if your preferences don't immediately align, you can end it or you need to end it. I think what's important about preferences is recognizing what are yours, owning them, and being open about it because maybe the preferences don't align instantly, but it's fluid. It's a little bit more like, oh, okay, over time, the preferences might align. Um, we're going to talk about like non-negotiables, deal breakers. Those are things that maybe right off the bat or most of the time, right off the bat, you should know like, okay, this is probably something we're not going to agree, agree upon. So let's not continue. There's obviously no need, you know? I mean, there are, there is definitely going to be things that you will compromise on. It's like, it's not exactly what I want, but other things are more important. And therefore, like, I want to go. And that's, right. that's okay, too. So um, did you want to talk, talk about that first topic? Yep. So let's, let's get into it. Um, deal breakers and non-negotiables. So uh, one of our first questions here is, do we just dig in do we just dive into it straight out like here's a list of all my deal breakers and non-negotiables have fun <laughs> or you know should you kind of like take it step by step going slowly i know we talked about earlier in our first two episodes when it came to building the profile that some of your deal breakers or non-negotiables or preferences might be helpful to have them listed in your profile itself mm -hmm. certain mm -hmm. things just so that you you know, you help yourself filter through what you're looking for. So I think some of the no non-negotiables or deal breakers that you already have listed could be a great starting point. For yeah. That. Um, I mean, I, this this whole process of being able to compare your checkboxes and see if they're aligned, it's not the sexiest part of this whole process, but it's important and it's necessary. Um, because if they're not in your bio, then I think it's probably helpful and useful to talk about those first so that you don't waste each other's time and you just like are able to 
move on to the more important stuff later on. Because if you're not going to be compatible on some fundamental issues, getting connected and bonding and flirting is probably, um, unless that's what you're looking for and that's all you're looking for, it's probably not going to be helpful. It'll be more painful in the long run. You know, if you're looking for something long term, you know, and you you brush off these non-negotiables or you leave them till later um, and it comes time to address it, you've already built an attachment, a bond, an interest. Um, and then, you know, when push comes to shove or the reality sets in, you're like, oh, OK. So it leads to more. I, at least that's how I've approached it personally. I mean, I've had first dates where I'm like, hey, I'm going to lay out a couple things that I know are deal breakers or non-negotiables for me. Cause I don't, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to get attached. Um, so some of the deal breakers that we've had that we have, or we talked about are, you know, alcohol and drug use. Um, I know that the Muslim dating apps actually has that listed. So mm -hmm. like we talked about in the earlier episodes, take advantage of those identifying filters that they have and just fill them in because again, don't present what you think is, you know, the ideal match or the ideal persona because you want to attract what fits your preferences. Um, so yeah, just understanding what their culture, their take on alcohol, drugs, smoking uh, in mm -hmm. general. Um, what are your preferences on language and culture? You know, there are some people that are very set on, I want somebody of this specific culture or speaks this language because this is the life I want to live or the things I want to pursue um, and understanding that early on. Um, so just to kind of comment on the things you've already talked about, like I've seen, you know, for me, I, I currently don't um, drink, I don't use drugs and it's important for me to be with someone who also doesn't, um, especially if like alcohol and drugs is like really important, fundamental to your life. I'm not here to judge, but for me, like um, I probably would, I probably would not be okay with that. And again, like preferences are okay. Um, it was important for me. Uh, to find someone, and it is still important to me to find someone who is an Arabic speaker, not just Arabic speaker, but also like an Arab culturally. And like, because of who I am and the way that I present myself. And so just to comment on those two things, um, I don't know how about you, Daniel, like what, I mean, what has your deal breakers in regards to these things been in the past? Um, well, I'd separate alcohol and drugs because for me, drugs is a non-negotiable. Like I definitely don't want anybody with that. But alcohol, I was a little more flexible on um, just simply because I've, I've seen like I personally don't drink, but I was open to somebody who maybe socially drink just because I've engaged with friends and community members that were OK with that. Over time, though, I was like, it would be preferred not, but it's not somebody I would like. I didn't reject matches because of their moderate alcohol drinking. And I got, I got matched with a couple of guys um, and they would reiterate it. Like you saw that in my profile, I mentioned like I social I'm a social drinker. Like, are you OK with that? And I was like, yeah, I am. I prefer not, but it's not something that's a deal breaker for me. And obviously, I think for me, religious is a person, religion is personal. So as long as no one's infringing on anyone else's behaviors or expectations, I'm usually more flexible about that. Um, personally, in yeah. regards to language and culture, I I'm sure they found that kind of weird, like for you, didn't. because you're a hijabi yeah. and they're like, still okay with that. What? I was like, yeah, first of all, don't judge all hijabis the same way, please. <laughs> um, don't. It's been the story of my life where there's just this automatic assumption that everyone has because you're a certain look of a Muslim, you know? Yeah, I've gotten to know Dania and I can definitely tell you that she does not match a lot of those expectations 
that a lot of those people have. So some people might hear that and take it the wrong way. No, no, I (laughs) no. See, why does it have to be either or? You know, it's like that's how community, like the community mindset, is very polarized. It's either you know, (laughs) it's either you're like completely like you know, a hundred percent halal or a hundred percent haram, but can you just be human and like have everything in between? Like the hijab in itself, like, I think a lot of people look at it and you know this more than I do, obviously a lot of people look at it and they think, Hoss, you're the representation. You have to be like the perfect nun of the religion and any deviation at all is like going to uh, catch the ire of the community, you know, and unfortunately, uh, but can it just be like, this is a part of me, like one part and not like everything about me, you know? I wish, I really wish that that's how uh, our community in particular viewed hijabi women, because that was, that is a big part of my struggle when it comes to dating, because, um, you know, most Muslim men look at me and they automatically have the assumption of like, oh, super religious, because she wears a hijab. Um, And so it's, you know, like I'm alienated to that side only in that perspective. And it's like, well, I, I'm a person and I have my pros and cons, my flaws here and there. I would like to just be seen as me as a human being, which ironically is literally the point of hijab. And yet Muslims don't seem to grasp that concept because they don't even see the woman anymore. They just see the hijab. And so they ignore the personality, the mindset, the ambitions, everything. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like, I, I don't know if you've seen, you have seen, you've seen Rami. And yeah. in the episode where he decides to start dating, he's on the Muslim dating app and he's just swiping left on anyone that's wearing hijab because he's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't want that. And it's like, what if she's really your person? And he ends up, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, but like he ends up with a hijabi in season two and mm-hmm. like, temporarily or whatever. And so, yeah, it's like, don't judge because literally I can't believe I have to like, we are people. <laughs> we yeah. are, you know, so I, I have to say, though, I have to say, though, that like, I'm not judging, you know, and I have an open mind and I've seen people who wear hijab who have different personalities and different levels of religiosity and adherence to the faith. And like, it's completely okay. And regardless, you could be honestly an atheist and wear hijab. Like, I don't care. Um, Or vice versa, you know, Um, like be a completely devout religious Muslim and not wear the hijab um, and everything in between. However, like when I would match with women who are hijab i automatically assumed in my head and this is just natural assumption that they're going to be more reserved more conservative i have been part of that so i'm sorry you know um but i think for you though um just based off of what i've seen on your instagram and uh i'm sure like on your bio it would have been immediately obvious to me that you're not like that typical hijabi just based off of what i've seen and what like what's acceptable for you um so i already had an idea about you but generally, when I do see Hajjabin out there, the way that they carry themselves, it's going to be something that um, does put ideas into my head. And so I start from a place and I'm like, is, is she really like this? And so but I, I keep an open mind and I, you know, and I proceed, um, you know, and if that works for me, that works for me. If it doesn't, it doesn't like and this is deal breakers, non-negotiables. You may not want to be with somebody who wears a hijab. And if that's the case, then you need to tell them that, you know. definitely i've had uh scenarios where i've been with people and the hijab is constantly comes up in conversation they'll say something about it again and again and um i I just remember two incidents where i was just like is a hijab a problem for you like you saw it you know it wasn't hiding so you you knew it was there (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, for some reason, this keeps coming up in a conversation. And really, I've actually put them in ultimatum situations. I was like, you know, you either are okay with it or I'm leaving because this is not, you know, this is a non-negotiable yeah. for me. I put it on when I was seven. It's not coming off. I still get to live my life and do everything that I want to do with my life. So it's, it's not a barrier for me. But if it's a barrier for you, like, you know where the exit is because there's just no, I don't have room. And it's interesting when I hear men say like, yeah, yeah, it just, it disgusts me or it turns me off. I had a friend who was like, I missed out on one of the most amazing women ever because I couldn't get past the hijab. And I, I just, I but, have a hard time processing it. But I, let me tell you. I, I mean, w once you marry I, that person, aren't they like without hijab around you most of the time? Okay, like, here, hold on, hold on. Dear <laughs> Muslim men, if no one told you, I'm going to reveal something remarkably powerful. Once you marry her, she's not wearing it at home. Did you know that? Because I feel like Muslim men don't know that. Also, like when you're in bed together, she's not wearing it. When you're at home, like with your families, she's not wearing it there. She wears it outside. Just in case no one taught you this, I'm here to share this. Because I feel like that was that's kind of what it is. A lot of times they're just kind of like, yeah, uh, you're going to wear this like all the time. And it, it amazes me because I, I expect this question from men who are not Muslim, who don't know. But it seems to pop up with Muslim men. I do I, know I that it's I, I've had the experience where Muslim men are very, um, how do I phrase this? Um, it's okay. You can the, just, the just let it out. Are a little bougie. Honestly, I don't even sure. know what, like the elite, they have like the, the prestige, you know, they're high upper class. Um, they're going to be in places working and they don't want to ruin their image with a hijabi woman, you know, God forbid he walks into his like office party or whatever with a covered woman. I like that's that's kind of what I've sensed. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like men don't end up they miss out on getting to know a woman's personality because, you know, some of us fit into that environment. But we wear a hijab. Like, why does that? And I use the example of the beard, you know, for a, from a woman's perspective, me. It's not exactly the um, same. Um, it's ahead. not, but like when they say preferences, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, a lot of women are not actually attracted to the beard. I know it's like in style right now and stuff, but I'm not attracted to the beard. And yet practically every guy I've ever dated has one. And I'm just like, I never swipe left on a guy because he has a beard or refuse to give a guy a chance because he has a beard. Like I know that there's a personality behind this covering. <laughs> on the man but i still gave him a chance because i was like i see a person yeah there's a person there i so. think it is it is hard especially for like i'm just going to speak from like a man's perspective living in like a conservative muslim society a lot of times like it's not that the hijab is a barrier but it does like obscure a little bit of who we see or what we see like for me a lot of times especially if i only know a woman uh through her hijab like it's a very um limiting way of knowing her and i know this sounds a little bit shallow but it does just kind of like limit my ability to know her a little bit more so i have been in situations in the past where i'm like you know she's wearing hijab i'm never going to ask her to take it off like for me so that i can just see her without it but at the same time like i wish i kind of still knew how she looked like you know that is something that i have wanted to know um and i think it's fair but it's not fair for me to like put that kind of insecurity or that kind of like um, issue on her. You know, if this is this is these are her boundaries and I'm not going to be I'm not going to go out of my way to to like violate those boundaries or at least pressure her to violate her own boundaries. So.
That's yeah. very important. Um, and then realize this. Um, there is this traveling. I there is no solid religious evidence, so I don't know when people bring me. They say it's halal, but it's like when you know a couple is courting, the man has the right to see her hair before marriage to make the right. The right, you know. Um, and I had this conversation with my ex-husband. I was like, no, no, you don't. Um, I don't see why you need to see my hair to decide after getting to know everything about me. Like it stops here. That This is the deciding factor. Um, another piece of information that I'll share with the men. Just there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, close encounters here. Uh, from, from Dania on the deal breaker, non-negotiable side of this, uh, of this episode. This is supposed to be the quick part of the episode. <laughs> but um, just FYI for men, if you're attracted to a hijabi and you're curious, just know she's probably like even hotter without the hijab. So like if you're concerned, because I've heard guys like, what if she's like horrible? Like what if it is like a completely different person? It probably is but, like an even hotter person. Like it's a win-win situation for you. So just chill. Like when every when it hangs on this one thing, I'm like, how can you love a personality and her ambitions and her vision and everything that she's gonna offer in this partnership, but you just can't get past the this? Okay. Mm. Well, good luck to you. Yeah. I think I think the hijab has given way too much like importance and attention in our society and here we are dedicating like a whole five ten minutes to it so there you go we're just going to be joining an embriki's uh like regular podcast episode where i just talk about hijab like, yeah it's like, like hijab yeah. with dania and that's that's going to be the, the, the jingle yeah. before that um let's talk about other deal breakers and non-negotiables okay past relationships all right so so what do you mean are you because Oh, actually, yeah, what did I mean by that point? It was um, so, so um, in my experience, um, I have had women ask me, like, have you been in a relationship before? Usually they're asking, like, have you been physical? Have you been sexual? And I'm able to share that with them, you know, and if that works for them, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Sometimes women are looking for somebody with experience. <laughs> um, and some, and if it's like, um, I recently talked, um, not recently, but like last time I, match with somebody on the apps um she had had she had had no experience uh at all um and she was like in her late 20s um and for me like that was going to be a little bit of an issue probably on the side of deal breaker because i as a man like have had my different relationships you know um and a lot of experiences in that way. And there was probably going to be a mismatch of like the journey of somebody who's never had relationships plus the journey of somebody who has like probably going to be clashing. And so there are people with those deal breakers and I've been actually rejected <laughs> like outwardly um, from that communication. Once we went through the deal breakers and they're like, do you do this? Do you do this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And as soon as I gave them the answers that they didn't like, they're like, okay. I'm like, is that it? Is that a deal breaker? She's like, yep. And I'm like, all right, thank you. Have a good day and appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> like it was just simply like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, um, I think that's what you meant by deal breakers, unless you had something else in mind. Yeah. Um, I wrote the script so long ago that I, kind of miss it but I, I i think what i actually also meant that is one of them and the other is as someone who's been divorced i've mm -hmm. seen 
the other end of that where it's like, oh, you're divorced. Uh, okay. Um, to me, it's never been a deal breaker, whether someone's been divorced or widowed or um, had past relationships or past experiences. But yeah, I've seen that. And, um, you know, if that's something that is a bother for you, you should probably bring it up early on. So, you know, so you don't find out later. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to judge or say anything. I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge someone based on the past if they've moved past it you know but um it happens so if that's kind of something that's important to you bring it up you know um, yeah get it out there and, and be clear about it i, I mean there you're, are you're men entitled to your preferences there are men who are not okay at all with um the women that they're dating having had a previous relationship like issues of jealousy issues of insecurity they either want somebody like who's an absolute virgin you know, who's never talked to anybody while they themselves have not been like, there's all sorts of different situations out there. Um, I mean, we can get into the hypocrisy of, of that and the double standards of that, uh, which I think we probably will at some point um, in, in today's episode. But nonetheless, I would say that um, it's important, yeah, to just honor your your preferences. And if it is, it is what it is. So let's talk about children and family obligations. So um, those are other deal breakers. So, like for me, one of my deal breakers has always been um, if if the person I'm dating is a single mother, like, and I've said this before on the Ambrikis, and I may have mentioned it here, like anybody with already existing children uh, would not work for me. And that says nothing about them. It says nothing about you know, their value. I, I, I think single mothers are amazing people who have gone through a lot and have done a lot uh, by themselves. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes like uh, through traumatic experiences, uh, but probably would not be the best for me. Um, well, what are your thoughts, Daniel? I've been a bit of a pendulum on this personally. I, um, as someone who doesn't want kids, I, I, you know, always was like, yeah, I don't know if I could be with someone that has kids. And then three times I was in a relationship with people who had children. Um, it was a challenge. Um, I tried to make it work. I was okay with it. But I think once each one ended, I have just come to the same conclusion as you. Like, I no judgments. I respect single parents out there that are making it work. I just know that it's not for me. Um, sure. So it's definitely something that I bring up. It also, for me, it depends too. Like one of the relationships, it was easier to manage or it was easier to transition because the children were older. So they were more independent. So it was a little bit different than when, you know, with my ex-husband, it was a four-year-old. So it was different hands-on experience. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I you're an, you're an instant parents. mother at that point, you know? I, I literally was instant mom. I was like, oh, this is... This is new. Yeah. At 25, I am an instant mom of a four-year-old. Yeah. I mean, a lot of 25-year-olds do have four-year-olds, you know. Um, I mean, but nonetheless, for you, it probably did not work. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I want to talk about um, that same, like, uh, woman from before in the late 20s. Uh, she specifically, we're talking about family obligations and children. She specifically was looking for somebody who... Um, could be the sole provider, uh, even though she was actually like working in tech, you know, and like making good money. Like she was looking for somebody who could be the sole provider um, and wanted uh, to be a stay at home mom. And I remember like thinking to myself that like, I'm like, I could make that work, you know, 
Um, but looking back at it, I feel like that probably was not going to work for me. Um, that, and, um, so like in terms of family obligations, if that is what somebody else is looking for to be, and no judgment again, like, uh, mashallah, like she had been like really accomplished, but, um, if that's what she wanted, you know, and that's her choice and that's what then, um, then that might not have worked out for me. And so I think about that too. It's like, you know, what is the, what are roles together? You know, how are we going to be relating to each other? Um, are you okay with the other person working or not working? Um, these are things that are important. Yeah, that ties into another point we had about gender roles, gender role expectations. Um, definitely getting that out early on is very key because this literally builds the, um, uh, the skeletal system of this relationship. You know, how are you going to proceed moving forward? What are the expectations? So, um, yeah, it's definitely important to talk about that to understand what the expectations of each person are. Um, and with regards to family obligations, I also wanted to point out that sometimes there's other types of family obligations that need to be discussed, whether there's a an, like in-laws, are they living with you? Are they mm -hmm. close by? Are they ill? Is there someone who's dependent on one partner or the other? Mm -hmm. How do you balance that? You know, is one of the partners a sole provider for their nuclear original family and sure. you have to stay close? So just discussing that as well, um, just so that there's no surprises later. Like, hi, surprise, your mother-in-law is going to live with you. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And, it, and do you happen to speak from experience, uh, I Daniel? I did know. I did know in advance. So I will say that. But um, just understanding what that entails, what are, ex you know, because sometimes if there's someone that they're a caretaker for and you have to understand, like, are you going to be patient enough to be uh, supportive when they have to take care? Are they going to know how to balance when they're overexerting their time one place over the other. So these are just things to make clear and understand. If you are not someone who's okay with living with your in-laws or living super close to them or having to be uh, having someone dependent on you from their side, these are all things to uh, clarify in the beginning. Yeah, and, tied, and what's tied into that also is, are you willing to relocate? Do you have to stay in the same city? Are you okay to move out of the country? Um, going back to the same person I've been talking about. And if you, the same person are listening to this uh, and you know who you are, um, please, I apologize for using you as an example here. Probably not the most uh, use of best use of, of experience, but just know that like um, I hold no grudges <laughs> here. I am just talking about my personal issues on, on this podcast, you know, um, and, uh, I apologize if I was misleading in any way, but nonetheless, she was not willing to move out of the country, you know, and I, it's not important to me per se, this wasn't really a deal breaker, but I'm like, what if in the future, like I had to move out of the country, you know, or would you come along? And she was like, absolutely not, you know? And so like, that's, that's good to know. That's, that's again, like, these are the important things to talk about. Um, and generally again, like all these deal breakers, I remember going through every single one during our first date for all of these, uh, for most of my, um, first dates after the matching happens. Like I, I'm not a very romantic person, like from day one, uh, because literally these are what I talk about on day one. It's like, is this okay for you? Is this okay for you? Is this okay for you? And I just kind of go right through it. So, yeah, that's kind of usually how I start it too. Uh, sometimes it's been a challenge with the matches I've had on online dates because of what we talked about in the previous episode of, 
sometimes with women, the, the men drag, they're slow. They have like one word answers. So if I'm, if I, you know, get a guy who just says, how are you good? I'm not going to be like, so how are you on relocation? Uh, you know, it's obviously not giving me anything. It's like, I have to wait six days before I can get anything out of this person. And that's yeah. just too much effort that it's like, obviously you're not trying. So no, thanks. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. With regards to relocation, I, I don't blame the, the woman that you're referring to because yeah, for a lot of us, especially those of I us. I don't blame her either, people, by the way, just step one. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, I have the same reaction as she, like, I've had that ask, like, would you move to, like, the East Coast? I'm on the West Coast. Or would you move to another country? And I'm just like, no. I, you know, a lot of us have established so much of our lives, our roots in certain places. Like, we, I, I'm definitely open to the possibility of life taking us places or changing, but if that's the initial goal and I know in advance, no, I will say. And I, the nice thing about, I believe just Muslim, Muslimach or and Minder or Salams is that uh, it has the option willing to relocate is yeah. one of the filters. Yeah. I don't think on non-Muslim apps, they have that. Um, Non-Muslim apps are really geared towards setting you up with someone who's like right down the street. That's what their uh, marketing strategy well, it's, it's is. Usually, it's usually meant for people who are like, because there's a lot of options and possibilities in that same street, yeah. whether it be like, people like who are christian or like non-practicing or you know non-religious like or not even looking for a serious relationship so it's just kind of ease of uh, availability or access to uh, potential matches so with the not the muslim dating apps yeah that is an option there and i do pay attention and whenever i saw someone um who was far and they're not willing to relocate that was an answer for me because I, I just you know, there were matches in Canada or UK or Florida. And I'm just like, no, I, I totally respect and agree that, you know, you have a great job or you're stable wherever you're at and you can't uproot yourself and move, but I'm in the same position too. Sure. So sure. it's just kind of finding that. And again, own your preferences. It's totally fine to not want to relocate. Yeah. So yeah, deal breakers, non-negotiables, probably the first thing that you should talk about, but let's dive <laughs> a little bit into one of these uh, deal breakers um, and specifically has to do with relationship history and expectations. The juicy um, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> should you talk about your previous relationships? So we're talking like past the deal breakers after you've already like, okay, I'm not going to outwardly reject you. Are these things that you should talk about? Um, and Dania seems to think according to her script here. And I agree with her that, Contrary to norms, it's actually a good thing to talk about your past relationships. It shows maturity and it shows that you are actually available. And I think one of the important parts <laughs> of talking about relationship history is knowing whether or not the other person is emotionally available and ready to take on a new relationship. Because, and I have been in situations where the person talks, when we're talking on the phone for the first time, they spent 20 minutes, or probably our first 20 minutes of the call, talking about their previous ex you know? And so it was very, very clear that this person has had a significant effect on their lives. And it's probably it, it, that that's kind of what led me to like, not want to talk to them further because I knew they weren't ready. And so talking so what about you're saying is yeah. really just the, the way that that person presented their story, like it helped you because, cause we're saying it's good to talk about your past, mm -hmm. but it's good because it gives you insight based on how they tell you the story and how mm -hmm. they're reacting to it, whether or not they've actually processed it. And they're oh, I was definitely okay with them telling me, Oh, you know, it's okay for me. I expect even on the first date for people to talk about their, um, like 
past relationships, but usually it's like one sentence, two sentences, probably a short, short quip, you know, like something very, very simple to like illustrate that. But to go into details for me, like communicate certain things. Um, but if they are in a good place and they are emotionally available and they've moved on, then it's actually, and, and you've had a few dates, it's probably actually a really good thing uh, to talk about previous relationships and previous marriages um, and involvements that would, in my mind, set the, uh, like, so, so why, why, why should you do this? Um, and for me, like the intention behind discussing relationship history is really important because um, some people just want like the gossipy side of it and they just like want to like be a little bit nosy about it. For me, one the most important part is I want people to understand what I've been through so that they can understand who I am. I want to understand what they've been through so I can understand who they are today. So that's my purpose and intention behind discussing relationship history. A lot of people are uncomfortable about this topic. They do not want to delve in. It's too much. And I think there is a balance between going too much and giving the TMI you know, too much information or um, saying nothing at all, because that's also a little bit suspicious. It's like, well, I've had some situations in the past and like not talk about it at all. Um, there, again, this goes back to the experience and experience compatibility thing that we talked about earlier. Um, but for for me, and it seems Daniel's on the same page, talk about your previous relationships. Yeah, I, yeah, I, um, I, I believe I added this simply because as someone who's divorced i don't feel um i don't feel comfortable not identifying that you know if if it's if there's no filter on the dating app for example that specifies my previous history which all apps have um i just i want to put it out there because i have been in situations where the man didn't tell me he was previously married and i found out like well into the relationship oh, no. um why did you conceal it well i mean what's the goal were you afraid? Because that's the thing. We have that stigma in our communities and our yeah. cultures where someone previously married is it's a shameful thing, which is absolutely not at all. So um, I told him, I was like, I wouldn't have said no. Like, it's not a problem for me, you know. Um, so I don't want that deception. And then well, it shows that they're not OK with it. Like they have shame about it. That yeah, they're trying exactly. To so that that was a, a bit of insight for me. Also, it's important because what if there's children? you know, from that previous marriage or previous relationship that needs to be out there because it goes back to preferences. And also, I mean, I mirror everything that you said. I just, I can pick up from people's tone, from what details they tell me. Whenever guys tell me about their past and they're automatically bashing the woman from A to Z, oh. zero responsibility or ownership for any part of the failure. Um, even me, someone who survived domestic violence like there are things i take ownership of like i ignored certain things or i i reacted in ways because i was under a lot of pressure so i know that in this scenario i could have behaved a little bit differently and saved myself from the situation um but i i i take into consideration just the way they talk about you know if a guy's like oh all my exes were crazy i'm just like i don't that, think it was all of them there is one I thing in common you, there right? is one thing in common um, between all of those exes and that is you. And it's you. Yeah. Um, and just like you said, if there's specific details that they need, they feel this, you know, burning need to say that's a little bit insulting. I'm very turned off by um, men insulting their and talking insultingly about their exes, especially mm -hmm. so soon. I think when you've built a very solid relationship for a couple of months and you start opening up, 
and you know you reveal things like this is what she did and it really affected me and it's a negative thing but you're sharing a story it's different than on the third or fourth date your you know our fourth conversation he's giving you all of these um really personal intimate you know off- offensive or degrading details about the woman and it's like do you you know that's that can be anyone to talk this that can be you one day, right? Yeah, I don't want anyone talking about me like that. And I would never talk about my exes like that, even though they really treated me badly. I would never. Like, mm. you know, unless I'm in an intimate relationship with somebody that I now trust and I'm building a future with, I will tell him. But no, I'm not going to start on the first, like, let me tell you what my ex did here. No. So that tells me a lot about their maturity, about how, like you said, how well they've processed it. Um, are they still harboring grudges? Was it just last week? I've been matched with people who are like, I'm still finalizing my divorce. You know, it's like, bro, go finalize it. Take therapy, take some time off, rediscover who you are, then come to this app. Don't, what are you doing here? So <laughs> that's happened. And I actually remember, um, Ala said that in the podcast episode, she was talking about, she had similar experiences when she was on the app where she would run into or match with men that are in that. And that's very common in our communities and our cultures. They try to immediately like send men new wives, like instantly. A man can't, forbid, can't be without can't be a single, wife, you know, but then a woman is widowed or divorced um, or her engagement breaks up and nobody cares. Like they don't cater. They but send we don't, her we don't desperate. Need, like we don't, yeah, we don't need to get her like married as soon as possible. You know, no, no, she doesn't have needs. Yeah. It's only the men yeah. who have needs, you know, Apparently. So, um, um, or we get, we're, we're sent like the, the desperate guys which happens <laughs> to me a lot after my, after my divorce, it was like, uh, your daughter yeah. will take anyone, right? I'm like, no, she won't. We'll get, what do you, yeah. you know? I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. And there, yeah, I mean, the stigma of divorced women, unfortunately, like I've seen it. Um, personally, I've never had a problem with it. I always thought that like that meant nothing about her. But there is this idea that she is staying. Like there is like, she either did something wrong. Like what did she do wrong? Instead of yeah. like, you know, possibly having been an abusive, you know, uh, marriage the and victim yeah and of the victim. Situation. um i mean it it it's an it's an important question to ask about like what happened you know like how did why did this happen i think that will provide a lot of information going forward but to automatically like just discredit somebody because they're divorced you know you know in english it's funny divorced um in english is applied to both the men and the women but in arabic it's uh um and palet so like he He's so the man I think oh, has done the divorcing, and the woman has had the divorcing done to her. To her. Yeah. Um, same thing with like engagement. It's khatib and makhtuba. So it's like, you know, the man who's done the engagement and the woman who's had the engagement done to her. So like, there is a little oh, bit of a, a linguistic yeah. um, difference that happens there. And so for like hatta kinmat mutalla is like. Even though, again, like I don't have any problems with it, it still brings up like it certain has a derogatory sense ideas. To it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for there is this double standard, just like you talked about with men and women. You know that men are allowed to have previous relationships and marriages. You know, and women are not, and then they're like immediately devalued. Um, and that's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. I don't know if this has to do with the whole her being a virgin thing, which yes 
like that's a big part of it. Maybe. It's like men can like sleep around and have all these different relationships. And then when they want to settle down and get married, they are looking for the purest, the pure, the most religious of religious, you know, and it's like, this is the only thing that's going to be okay with me, but I'm a, for him and all these other women that he was involved with, like, you know, he's exempt from that. And I, I've been part of that system. And like, I, you know, I have a lot of uh, shame uh, about it. Uh, but I think it's important to like going forward, especially when a man and woman are talking about their history for them to look at each other as humans, as people who've made mistakes or not made mistakes, but just like gone with the flow, had experiences. And now they are like as humans together trying to figure things out. So I think that's, that's really important. I agree. Oh. Yeah. Um, there's a last point here about dating styles and timelines. I think previous relationships do inform about whether or not these people, whether or not like the other person is, uh, is expecting something specific, but I think that's something to talk about. What, what do you see for us? Do you want us to get married within a year, two years immediately? <laughs> uh, that tomorrow. is tomorrow. That is a thing that needs to be clarified immediately. Um, and I do ask them, like, how do you see, like, in the future, um, what kind of dating, like, are you more traditional? Are you okay with us meeting up? You know, like, what's, what's, what's good for you? So I think all these things are important. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next uh, topic is family plans. All right. So here, let's talk about kids. Go. How will I think it's very important to identify whether or not you want to have children. I don't think this is talked about very often, especially mm -hmm. within uh, the Muslim communities where the expectation is automatically children. People don't really stop and question it. And I only see the other side of it because I've known for about 10 years that I don't want to have children. And so when I talk about this, people are in shock. They can't comprehend or process this as if it's never been a choice. Um, and I just tell them, I'm not against people having children. I just want you to be aware of why. Have you thought about it? Do you know why you want to have children? A lot of times people tell me that's what Allah wants. I love when people, that's what Allah wants. I was like, yeah, uh, no. Nowhere in the Quran does Allah say, I want you to have children. He says mm -hmm. they exist. So just being aware um, and knowing, you know, knowing that you have the choice, understanding, being clear about that, because people don't talk about it. And then all of a sudden, it comes up later or they realize later or something happens and it brings it up. So this is definitely very important. And it also relates to understanding how do you feel about someone who's had children from a previous marriage or relationship? Are you going to be open to that? Um, can you try it? Are you, I mean, it's very sensitive. I think a lot of people that I know that have children from previous relationships are very hesitant because they're bringing in a new person to their life and their children's lives. And so they want to be sure. So these are all subjects that need to be addressed very early on so that there's no, um, there's just no ache, stress, surprises later that ends yeah. up leading to disappointment, breakups that, you know, I, for me, the children thing is the first thing I bring up anywhere I am. It's in my profile. It's on the first date. Um, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I usually brace myself because most of the time I get harassed by the men when I tell them that. Um, and maybe once or twice, they were just like, huh, that's interesting. I never even thought about it. I never even thought that it was a choice. Like this is making me think about the fact mm -hmm. that I actually can choose. 
And so I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I'm glad that I'm helping you think of different, you know, expanding your horizons, but just bringing it up early is important because yeah, it'll save you a lot later. Yeah. And from communication with you, like you've talked about this subject with me and, and you've told me about how contentious like this particular subject is. Um, I've grown up in a, in a place where you get married to have kids. Like there is no other, there's no other reason to get married. The whole idea of like a partnership or having a healthy relationship, you know, um, outside of the context of parenthood, it's non-existent. There's really no models for it. Um, and this is not necessarily just an Arab or Muslim thing. Like it does extend beyond to other cultures. Uh, but I think it's more readily acceptable. I think at least in a lot of white culture, or that there are no kids involved mm -hmm. and it's just like you know what yeah. just like as an afterthought it's like you know we didn't feel like it you know um and nobody says anything nobody talks about that and nobody like thinks it's like a bad thing to happen um for myself um i i've i like i've grown up like with an idea that one day i would have kids but it's always been something like as an afterthought you know, it's like the hazards of a job, you know, it's just gonna like, <laughs> like it's gonna happen. And, and it's, you know, underneath it all, I just really felt like it's not going to be, um, like it's something I have to deal with when I get there, but I never actively was like looking forward to it or like thinking that it's going to happen. I could never really visualize it. In fact, again, going back to that first, you know, scenario when she had suggested that, like, I want to sit you know, and have kids and like take care of them and not work. I was like, like as much as I was like feeling weird about just being this like sole provider, which honestly I never really wanted to be, but I'm willing and like to step up to that responsibility if necessary. Um, the whole idea of just like having kids and just having all of that responsibility and, and the anxiety that comes with that, especially seeing, you know, what, you know, couples with kids have, it does push me to think about it, you know, from what you said, um, it's a good point. Like we don't sit back and think like, why do I want this child? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think like, it takes a very strong person with a strong opinion to be able to come to that decision. Um, but for me, it's just never really been a strong thing. It's not something I look forward to. And even if I wanted to get married, I usually would tell people, even if I wanted to have kids, I usually would tell people that I won't have kids for like six to seven years, you know, like, like way, way in the future, you know? Um, and it's just like, let's just postpone it as much as possible, you know? <laughs> and then, but I see, I see life with kids. And so the idea of kids or no kids is definitely something to talk about in regards to relationships and um and uh you told me that a lot of men just well, when you tell them that they react you know and you've told me a lot of them like try to convince you otherwise even though like oh yeah you're already convinced and so it seemed like the way that they interacted and reacted to you to you saying this was a good indicator <laughs> about whether or not it was going it to was. work it turned into a, a court case, you know, and I was suddenly like on trial. I was like, oh, I don't want to defend my decision to you and I don't have it, to. But yeah, it could simply it also, be like, if that's what you want, then okay, then it's not going to work. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You know? Yeah, and, and no, some of them are just like, no, 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 no. I need to show you why you're wrong. And I'm like, okay, can you please leave? <laughs> I don't want to hear this lecture. I'm not a child. I don't need you to hold my hand and teach me what you think is right and wrong. But it goes back to something you said that's really, really important. Um, we are raised 
just maybe not just in the Muslim Arab community, but globally to assume that the only purpose of marriage is kids. And I think that needs to be addressed somewhere in all of the things we just said. Understand why do we want a partnership? Because if you end up meeting with this person and really the goal, the end goal is children, whoa, um, there needs to be a little bit of an assessment because what if there are no children for whatever reason? Yeah. What are you building this partnership on? Mm-hmm. Is this a human being where you like you can be with this person alone doing things in your life? Yes or no? Yeah, I mean, children, I've had I've had a lot of family who have kids within the first nine months without ever having had, you know, lived with each other. They don't know who they are to each other outside of the context of parenthood. That terrifies me. You yeah. Know? So it definitely, I think even before though, before these people get married, you should just assess like, is this your partner? Not, I don't want to say soulmate or the person who completes you, but can this person compliment you in the life that you want to live? Children aside, then you add into the mix, like, is this partner a good parent on top of everything else that they have to offer this relationship? We really, really do have to um, separate this idea that the sole purpose, the foundational element of marriage and a relationship is children, because it's actually not. The sole and purpose is this partnership and what you two can create together and what it brings out in each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not healthy, you are not going to be the healthiest of parents either. I mean, I it's interesting because I started thinking about how a lot of the matches I've had just never worked out because I was thinking about them as the mother of my kids. Like, and so like, and so instead of looking for a partner or somebody that like, I would want to connect with and fall in love with, I was thinking about how can I have the best caretaker of children, Mm -hmm. you know? And that, that's not a very sexy idea for starters, but secondly, um, it's not very accurate to what I was looking for. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about religion and when they talk about politics or whatever, they think to themselves and they say this out loud, I am looking for, um, like, I have to think about my kids. You know, I have to think about my kids when it comes to language, when it comes to religion, you know, I need to think about my kids. And I've been that, you know, a lot of the times there's like something in my head that's like, I need to think about the future generation. I need to think about the future kids. And quite frankly, that thought terrifies me. Like it's huge, you know, for me to like um, start putting together like all of the (laughs) recipe ingredients, you know, for a child in the future while already having the bigness associated with a relationship. You know, that's, that's a lot for me personally. Like that's too much for me. I mean, my preferences for religion and language and like, um, and all of these different things is a personal preference for a partner. It's not because I want you to be able to teach my children Quran and Hadith and like know how to do things. I want you to have this particular type of personality because I want you to engage with me in my own religiosity, my own spirituality, you know, and, and for me to find serenity in that place. So this is definitely a subject that we could like probably create like a whole episode about. Um, but it's something that like, I appreciate you sharing because like it is under discussed for sure. And with a lot of issues uh, that revolve around it related to shame and like, and there's a lot of pressure to have kids in the Arab and Muslim like community for sure. Big time, big time. And it, it's time that it ends 
so that people don't have kids for the wrong reasons, don't have kids under pressure. Um, they also, I mean, everything you just said, I really love because once you shift your focus and you actually seek out a partner that's healthy for you, by default, you end up building a healthy relationship and parenthood, you know? But if you're so fixated on picking a partner who's like, let me just make sure I find the right father for my future kids that don't even exist, like you're missing out on figuring out full compatibility, full potential with one another, you know? You lose yourself a little bit. So um, it's really important to address that. So maybe to add, not just talking about whether or not you wanna have children, but why? ask each other why. You know, why do you want to or not want to have children? And don't ask in a very, um, like, accu accuse accusatory, accusatory. Thank you. All right. Now my brain is just accusatory way. You know, don't put them on defense and trial and just like grill them. Just be open minded to understanding each person's perspective. You mm -hmm. might learn something. Um, so, I mean, and it's interesting because I recall all those sessions where I was being grilled and I end up reversing it. I'm like, why do you want to have children? And I'm like, take away religion because really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not mandated it. It's not obligatory anywhere in the Quran. He talks about children as being zina, which is like an accessory and adornment to life. And he also talks about them being fitna, which is something negative that like distracts you from your purpose in life. So he's teaching us to balance. If we choose this path, you have to balance parenthood. So I always ask them. So now that religion's out of the way, why do you want them? No man has been able to give me an answer. They're like, oh, I don't know. Like, it just, that's what happens. It's like, yeah. you, get, you grow up, you get married, you have kids, you die. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's not the life I want to live though. I don't want it to yeah. be so cyclical. I want to have a purpose and I want to know every step I'm doing. So just addressing that because you want to be on the same intellectual level as your partner as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just to kind of end this subject real quick, um, for the ones who do want to have kids, I think it's important to discuss like how you want to have kids, like, like what are the important things for you in terms of discipline, behavior, um, education, etc. Do they align? I remember talking about kids a lot with people I matched with. And a lot of times I would tell, I would mention that like, I didn't want to teach them religion until like much later in their life because, mm -hmm. because of how I was raised. And it's like, I wish that a lot of this stuff kind of got introduced to me at a later time, you know, um, because of the negative associations I had a lot of times what I was telling them of how I want to raise kids is the way that I, the things in my childhood that I wish that were not there, you know, mm -hmm. And so are, were those compatible, you know, a lot of times it was, you know, if it was somebody who was like very strict and they want to raise their children in a very strict way, that would not work for me, you know, and vice versa. Um, so it's, uh, it's important, you know, a lot of people want to have kids and stay close to their families. That also has, you know, to do with whether or not you want to relocate. So kids, it's important. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I no, I'm, I'm done with my... No, I was yeah. saying that actually brings us to our, our next point in family sure. plans is sure. the closeness to the family of origin. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it earlier, you know, with regards to relocating, understanding your partner's relationship with their family of origin, how involved is the family of origin in your life, in your partner's life, um, because that makes a big impact. So making that clear early on is very important so that the other person knows what to expect or what they're getting into or what's okay. You know, I've seen situations where the man cannot put up boundaries 
between him and his family of origin and it seeps into the marriage and I've seen it with women as well. So there needs to be a balance. You have to put up some right boundaries and separation to keep a healthy relationship as well. Just understanding that, bringing it up, talking about these things so that the partners know in advance. Sure, sure. Um, all right. I think that does it for that topic. Next topic up is life goals, life goals. Um, I think this is probably one of those things that you see a lot on the bios, you know, uh, education, travel. I'm sorry. If they fill out their bio, if they fill out their bio, but let's assume I see a lot of this when I was <laughs> like, what are your life goals, sir? What are yeah. your life goals? One question I would ask a lot is like, what's your passion? Like, do you want to change the world? Like, what's the big idea you have for life? Like what drives you, you know? And a lot of times, sometimes it would fall on deaf ears. It's like, um, I don't know. Like they never thought about it and I'm not shaming them or blaming them for like not having an idea, but that tells me something is that we probably will not match our energy levels on how to like get things done and like improve the world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so whether or not somebody is going to continue their education, whether or not they're going to be traveling or they have family overseas that they need to go see, or, you know, they need, they're planning on moving to Ireland one day, for example, and that's a random country I've been to. Um, uh, Dream country to visit. Do they want to become millionaires? You know, okay. uh, there's and just dreams and passions. So like, there's a lot there, but the life goals have to at least somewhat be compatible, not the same. They don't have to be the same, but they have to be compatible and what, and like in a way that you're going to be able to support your partner. Um, I don't have much to say here other than like, I've just, a lot of times something that's really, really turned me off and like, ha you know, had me like exit these relationships has been, um, that I could not feel any desire to change, to improve, to develop, to move forward. And that would turn me off. It's like, I'm just okay with what I'm at. I'm okay with this, you know, and like, it's hard to change, especially like when you get older, but the intention I think is really important, um, in this particular case. Uh, I agree with you. Um, for me, I actually made it very clear in my bio. Uh, I, I clarified that I'm a very ambitious and vision oriented person. I have set goals that will change, but they're still I'm goal oriented. And so I'm looking for somebody in the same way. Big turnoff for me is when a guy is not ambitious, when he's like, eh, I'm just in a job. I don't really know. I don't have like it is what it is. I'm cool. If it changes, whatever, I'll see. I want someone who's driven who sees potential, who sees that we're here on this earth for a reason to do something great. You know, it doesn't have to be so grand that it reaches like the news, but something that creates a ripple effect that we can feel we've, we've planted seeds. We've done things in this world. It was very hard to find that on the dating apps because 99.999% of the guys didn't even fill out their bio. It's like this guy doesn't want to, I don't know what this guy wants to do with his life except take bathroom selfies and just post it here and hope with, that some with urinals in the background. <laughs> I remembered that photo the other day. I was like, I wonder what happened to that guy, which is like, well, I don't know. Obviously like, he's married with two kids by now. Obviously. God, I missed know. out, man. I missed out. It's your loss. Um, so yeah, I do look at that. Um, you know, for me, education is so important. So I was always seeking out someone who had higher education and not for the title, the prestige, but rather because I felt like this signifies commitment 
and uh, dedication to self-bettering, to growing. Even though when I find out a guy has a PhD, I'm like, oh, he doesn't have commitment issues because he like dedicated seven <laughs> years of his life to some program. So this is good, you know? Um, well, you'd be so- surprised because I am one person who did dedicate, but I also struggle with commitment. So like, <laughs> you know, at least with like a PhD, you know, there's an expiration date with the partnership. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it exactly. An expiration date too right. there, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't enter a relationship hoping there's an expiration date. That's not that's mm-hmm. not the healthiest. But yeah, yeah for me, education is important. I um, this goes back to the double standard. I have a master's degree, and I've had experiences where men did not like that. They didn't say it, but they would throw the degree back in my face later. You know, that's something. unfortunate. I um, you know, I I don't like. That kind so of insecurity while, is so unfortunate. Yeah, after a while, I was like, I'm going to spare myself the pain and just seek out partners with at least equal to or greater than degree than me because I knew I wanted to pursue a PhD. So I was like, I need someone that's going to be okay with that. I'm proud of that, not someone who tries to take it away from me or reduce me. So education is important. And I bring it up, actually, I think with every match I was telling them, you know, when they're like, hey, how are you doing? What are you up to these days? I was always saying I'm working on PhD applications. I'm researching for programs. I laid out there because I, I want them to know this is what you're getting into. This is who I am. And I'm probably going to continue doing things like this. So education is key. Understanding, um, you know, what the hey, if you're not into education and, and ambitions, seek out some of their I'm sure there are people who are you know comfortable in their current patterns. And something you said earlier um, I'm trying to remember how you framed it, but just talking about like someone who's not very ambitious, who is not very passionate. I will say, um, I was really blessed to be raised by parents who pushed us to believe in our worth, our value and our dreams. I know that a lot of times our communities don't do that for our, our kids. And so we grow up in space. Specifically women, unfortunately, specifically women. So I don't, I, like you said, there's no shame or blame for women that don't seem very ambitious because a lot of them were taught you're only in school till you find the husband or study something basic. Or once you get married, you know, you're going to stop everything anyway and just be a mom and stay at home. So a lot of women didn't have the privilege and the opportunity to dream very big because they knew it wasn't going to go very far. Mm-hmm. So to be asked, what's your passion? It's like, uh, uh, what are you talking about? And I've heard women were like, my passion is just to get married and have kids. That's it. I'm like, it's cool. But like, what do you want? What do you want for you? Sometimes that is what they want specifically. But uh, a lot of times I think it is um, hidden. It's, under, it's under- socially constructed though. Cause there's, yeah. everybody has a self passion somewhere mm-hmm. in there, mm-hmm. you know, having kids and wanting to get married is something beautiful to desire. But what do you want as a person? Yeah. So a lot of times, even men, men are not like a lot of times in our communities, like you said, men are, are socially constructed. You can't have passions. You have to go make money because you're going to be the sole provider while your wife is at home raising the yeah. kids. That's that's like, like so exhausting as a thought for me. Like, yeah. it, it like it's draining almost. I know I can see you right now. You're like, yeah. and you're like, no, no, no. there yeah. you go. So I think it's important. And, and you, I really hope that more and more of our generation and the next generation is supportive of that for themselves and for each other. You know, like I want to encourage men and women to seek out matches that inspire and empower you to pursue your dreams. Mm-hmm. And so you guys are like, 
you guys are fueling each other to do great things in this world. So yeah, I like that. that's very what's important. Very well said. And I think that is a great ingredient to to a good relationship. Um, <laughs> the last sprinkle subject, it on there. Sprinkle yeah. it on there. The last topic here uh, for today is uh, political and religious views. Um, okay. I I have to say I, I'm not a big fan of talking about religion and politics like in this time. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. For me, religion and politics are both personal, and they might be informative you know, in terms of who you are as a person. So maybe a little bit, but specifically like for me in the past and my past situations to talk about prayer and fasting, which are very personal, like um, acts of worship on the first date or even the second or third date is too much for me. Um, I've grown up in like an environment where I was constantly asked and pushed to pray on a regular basis. And it really kind of turned me off from having it be something that like my partner would be concerned about or pushing me. There was one person I matched with that really brought it up. And they're like, not only do I want us to like be on the same like page in terms of prayer, but I want us to like encourage each other and push each other. And mm -hmm. like, for me, that was like one of the biggest deal breakers, like in my head, because I'm like, this is not going to work for me. Um, instead, like I would, I would rather have a simple conversation at some point where we talk about religion and politics and we talk about how the other person can support my growth in both, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to put religion and politics in the same like category. Um, but when, especially with religious and spirituality, uh, a spiritual like growth, I would, I would want a partner to support my approach to all of that and to be able to learn from them and to receive them without the need for judgment or to push or anything like that. Um, a lot of people are not like that. Some people want specifically, as, as we mentioned, somebody to be religious for their kids, to be very strict, to be like a very um, prototypical, um, you know, Muslim couple. And uh, for me, I consider myself liberal and progressive and, and that's how I interpret my religion as well. And so some people are not okay with that. Um, and they want a lot of things to be halal that I find, uh, haram that I find okay, you know? And so that's not gonna work for me. Um, regards to religion, I'm just like generally like aware, sorry, in regards to politics, I'm generally aware of politics. And I think we need to be aware of politics. This one's not a deal breaker. If you're not 100% involved in politics, that's fine. Um, but it would be a plus for me if we could connect in that way. Um, but again, these could be really important subjects for some people and could be like not as important. Would I be okay like connecting with a Republican woman? Probably not. Um, really? Would I? I don't I think like so. It would be so great. I don't yeah. think so. I don't think so. Um, I'm probably also not going to be great, you know, with a very like strong willed libertarian, you know, or even somebody who's like establishment, mainstream, liberal, you know, um, you know, right of center. I, I do need somebody who's like on my same level in terms of like what I believe about the world and rights and like where our resources should go and who should be protected and, and, um, and my policy in terms of money and like where it should like be spent. Um, I think, um, I could easily, I'm not, I'm not that intolerant, obviously, like I have people in different like spectrum of politics, but I, I, 
when it comes down to a life partner, I, I today on on the um, on the radio I heard uh, like a, a very brief interview with a woman who, while in quarantine, discovered that her partner was part of QAnon. You oh know, my God. and she said she worked on it and that they're still together. But if that ever happened to me, I would be very, very concerned. And I don't think I would have been able to like work and just agree to disagree because that's like, for me, I would that's concerned that you didn't notice. Yes. Like I would be concerned that it took you that long to find out. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh. talk, talk to me about religion, Daniel. Like um, let's, let's take it home. <laughs> I have a lot of stories about religion and politics with things that I've experienced. But the biggest reason I added this point isn't because I want, I believe that you need to delve into the details of like your religious practices. But I do, for me, it's important to know how religious, the religiosity level of this person, because I cannot be with like the extra everything is haram sheikhi type of guy because that's not the lifestyle i want to live i don't want to live in a in that kind of relationship so that's what i mean with regards to assessing i think there's key ways to figure out also the nice thing about these muslim apps is it gives you the scale that you can fill that out and it's like <laughs> not really how just, religious are yeah. you you know you can also tell i i too think uh, a lot of religion is personal. Um, you know, we're all raised, our families uh, teach us things to do. And after a certain point, it's up to you. You know, you want to pray, you want to fast, you do, you don't. Um, I don't think it's the spouse's job to push someone to pray. You can encourage in, like, even in, you sh your behavior should be the encouragement. It shouldn't be you telling them. And I know this because I remember years ago, I had this man who wanted me to set him up with someone. He's like, do you have any friends? I'm looking to get married, like any connections. So he said, I asked him, I'm like, yeah, I have, but what are you looking for? He's like, I want her to be a hijabi and I want her to pray five times a day. And I was like, <laughs> cool, but let me ask you first, do you pray five times a day? And he said, no, I don't pray anything, oh, but I want no. her to be my teacher. I want her to make me. Oh, I was like, yeah, no. that's not your, that's not her job. That's not her job. You know, I was like, you need to work on yourself. You want to pray. You need to teach yourself the value of why you want to pray. You can't just marry someone and expect them to be your mommy and teacher and whatever, all this stuff. That's not her job. Um, and yeah, he said a lot of other insulting things about, like, he ended up critiquing, like, I want her body to be a Y like a, B and C. And I was like, um, well, yeah, he's just customizing like, you know, the, okay. the product, you know, I was like, yeah, let me go to target and pick it up from aisle seven. Like, I don't know what to tell you, bro. They're actually out so, of stock for that particular one. I just for that checked model. for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was just like, that's not her job. That's not fair. I think you need to reflect internally in general. People need to reflect internally and figure out where they are, own their level of religiosity, whether it's higher, lower, moderate, and be okay with that. Be confident in the level you're at. If you want to grow, that's on you. Find a partner who matches that ambition to grow and is at the same level, or even if they're a little bit ahead or whatever, but they'll support your your vision of where you want to be but to put that expectation on the partner is really unfair yeah um, and it's yeah. not their job i mean again pop, yeah go ahead. it's just compatibility like you want to yeah. make sure that you're compatible but in regards to politics sure. you're saying i was gonna say in regards to politics it's the same thing uh maybe well not the same thing i think you should 
try and be as close as possible on politics, especially today. Um, I did get matched with somebody on the dating app who was like, I'm very anti-progressive. Far leftists should swipe left, you know? Um, <laughs> something like that. Sorry, I, was like, well, I don't know if I'm, it's, it is, it was hilarious. And I was looking at the profile, I was like, he's cute. You know, he's educated. His bio is actually fully complete. He's got all the photos. And I was like, he's he called himself a moderate. He's like, I'm not progressive, I'm moderate. So I define that to mean middle ground, personally, because I was like, it's not alt-right, it's not alt-left, so control-alt-delete, he's in the middle. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to give it a shot, okay? I'm going <laughs> to... Sorry, Why are you my, laughing at my, me? my mama joke, you know, meter just like went crazy went. right now. I know my mama jokes are on fire. So, um, so yeah, we matched and that day we started talking and he said, you know, I know you read my bio and you, I know you saw that I'm moderate and I can see from your photos and your bio that you're like a little more liberal. So I'm curious. I was like, well, I, I interpreted moderate to mean like middle ground. It's, you know, but he ends up telling me that he's going to vote for Trump. And he's yeah. anti-LGBTQ and like I mean, centrists, moderates and, like, and centrists in this country mean that they're uh, leaning right. That's what that you means. live and you learn, bro. You live and you learn. You know? yeah. so now I know I will just swipe left if someone's like <laughs> moderate. Um, but we had a like we had a good phone conversation. But for us, we parted ways. Like it wasn't even the Trump supporting and me not voting for Trump. It was actually what broke it for him was the fact that I was an anti-LGBTQ. Um, and he was like wait you were okay with like them being in our mosques and so i was like yeah they're muslim they're gonna come pray like i'm not sitting here judging people and i remember i was like we let people who drink alcohol and do other things come to pray jama come to pray and attend our like why are we so why is this like something that is just breaking us like no i'm not here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't talk about them being bad people like that so it's not so he's like, yeah, I think I can't agree with you and I wouldn't want to marry someone like that. I was like, all right, bye. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just, yeah, bringing things up like that so you know where you stand because these are uh, fundamental differences, religiously yeah. and politically. So okay. that's what I mean when it comes to talking about religion and politics. I'm not going to be like, do you pray sunnah how many times a day? Like that. It's just understanding what the person, where the person stands. Wait, do you pray sunnah five times a day? No. No, this is what <laughs> this is the part where you say, actually, that's really personal. And oh, actually, that's really personal. And I really don't appreciate you asking me <laughs> on live television these questions. All right. All right. Well, I apologize. I didn't mean to cross that uh, boundary. Um, <laughs> excellent. Well, I think we're at the end of this particular episode. We talked about a lot. Okay. We did. Um, th there is one more episode left in this entire series about rejection. Oh. rejecting ghosting the really really juicy stuff and so we're gonna end this episode um any uh last thoughts or words before we uh we let everybody go <sighs> there's a lot to say but i think um going back to how we started own your preferences own your wants your non-negotiables there's nothing wrong with having your preferences and opinions because you are trying to find what best suits you. Yeah. So don't be ashamed, also, you know, if you're if you're one way or another because you want to find what works for you. Yeah. Also don't be don't take it personally. You know? Yeah. This is simply like one person saying this is what I want and the other person saying this is what I want. And if they don't match, you know, that's okay. Um 
uh, be kind, be mature. Um, again, both both of you are doing this and in a very like vulnerable way. So I applaud and commend you on doing that. But there's going to always there there, but there is a necessity to um, just have a lot of respect and kindness towards each other, even if it ends up ending. Um, which we will talk about in the next episode. All right. Thank you. So this was me, Ihab. And me, Dania. Thank you, Dania, for being here, for uh, sharing with all of us. And thanks, thank all of you uh, for, for tuning in and staying with us. I hope you did stay until the end. Uh, we really appreciate your listenership and your, your support. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Sounds great. Excellent. Masalama, guys. Bye.